You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Uh, all right, in the book of Romans, chapter 10, if you'd turn there with me, please. We've been preaching through the book of Romans. And we've been, uh, last week I did preach on Romans 10, but today I want to deal with a little bit of the heart of the problem that we dealt with, that we emphasized the most last week. Uh, and I want to preach about the Lord of salvation. The Lord of salvation is kind of what I want to emphasize, um, since it is emphasized in this passage of Scripture. Why is it that people get so involved in religion, they're so committed to God through religion, but many times they miss the most simple principle that God wants to just have a relationship with people. Uh, He wants people to know Him as Savior and walk with Him and be blessed of Him. And if you would, we'll begin in verse number 1 just as we did last week because I want to give the the, the full background here. Where he says in verse number 10, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Uh, And just to give you a little bit of background of what's happened here in this place and time is that when God, uh, when, the, when, the, when the church started there in the book of Acts, when we see that come about, what we find out is that the Jews were a little bit confused about what God was doing. Is He done with us as a nation? Exactly what's going on is we've been, have we been totally replaced by the church and we see from the Scripture that that is clearly not the case. Uh, God's promises for Israel still stand, but in this dispensation that we live in now, uh, both Jews and Gentiles make up the church of God. And so uh, uh, that's kind of what the Lord explains there. But he wants, he wants to see these people saved. And he says this in verse 2. Now, this is directly in, um, about Israel, but there's an application to us today. Notice this. For he says this, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but are not, not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And so we kind of covered this last week, so I'll just say here real quick. Chapter 9 deals with the sovereignty of God, divine sovereignty. Chapter 10 deals with human responsibility. The two cannot be separated. And... What we find out is the reason that Israel wasn't saved is the same reason that many people we know today are not saved. Number one, it all starts with they didn't feel or see the need for salvation. They thought they were okay. They thought they were okay. They didn't think they needed to be saved. Uh, They didn't think they needed to be forgiven. We talk about being saved, folks. We're talking about being saved from hell, saved from our sins, um, not just saved from some uh, temporary fate, but an eternal fate. But they, they didn't trust Christ as Savior because they didn't feel the need for salvation. As a result of that, they had a misguided relig- religious exercise. They were zealous for God. They did a lot of things in the name of God. Uh, Jesus actually said that there would come a time, and it came very quick, and it's still here today, where people will kill you and think they're doing God's service. So Jesus looks at His people, His followers, His believers, and says there's going to be people that kill you and they're going to be thinking they're doing God's service. 
So just because someone has a zeal for God uh, does not mean uh, that it's necessarily a good zeal for God. It may be a misguided zeal for God. So they didn't feel the need for salvation. They had a misguided religious exercise, and they also had a a misguided religious enterprise. So since they were ignorant of God's righteousness, they went to say, establish their own righteousness. And to say, okay, here's what it means to be righteous. Here's what it means. So just disregarding what God said, and say we're going to establish our own righteousness. And I just want to emphasize one thing here in the last part of verse number 3 because it ties in with the emphasis this morning. The Bible says that they established their own righteousness. It says, and have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Because what we begin to see here is that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. So let's continue to read through these verses. Verse number 5 says, For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart who who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so several times through this passage, we see this great passage on salvation. We see the Lord being referred to in that sense. The Lord, the one that's in charge, the God, the Almighty. And it goes all the way back, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And what that's simply saying is that Jesus is Lord. Uh, And so with that in mind, I want to try to preach a little bit about the Lord of salvation. But let's first pause for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the privilege of being here today. Now, God, you know that we have a limited amount of time here this morning, and we have a limited amount of attention here this morning uh, with each of us, Lord. So I just pray that you will work in this time and help me to say that which you would have me to say and help me not to say anything that you wouldn't have me to say. Most importantly, God, I pray that you'll anoint me and give, and, and I pray the Holy Spirit of God will be able to work through every heart in this church today, everyone who hears this message, God, that you will do something in their hearts if there's anyone here that has not not yet uh, believed on you. They may confess you, but have they believed on you? If they've not done that, Lord, I pray that you'll help that person to believe, to put their faith in you today. And for those of us that are saved, God, challenge our hearts uh, to follow you in your direction uh, as Lord of our lives. As we think about the Lord this morning, I want to say a couple things about the Lord. It's interesting when you think about it. Number one, we know that Jesus is Lord in creation. The Bible says in Acts chapter, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 8, verse 27, but the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Jesus stepped out and spoke, and he calmed a storm, and he calmed a sea. 
And they said, man, even the winds and the waves obey Him. Why? Because He's the Creator. He is the Lord of creation. Mark chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible says, And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth He that even the unclean spirits, and they do obey Him. So Jesus can speak to creation, it obeys. He's the Lord of creation. In that context, Jesus told the unclean spirits to depart out of a man and they had to obey. Why? Because He's the Lord of creation. He's the Lord God. And it's interesting, you know, one of the things that was referred to many times in the Old Testament, uh, because the writers and prophets would say things of this nature, that the animals basically do what God says, but we're like the only thing, we're the only creature that doesn't obey the Lord. Nature obeys, amen. Whether it's seas and storms and winds or animals or whatever it is, uh, but sometimes we have the hardest time accepting the Lordship of Christ. So He's the Lord of creation and He's also the Lord of salvation. I want to share with you a few verses. Now, if He's the Lord, that means since He's the Lord, the problem that they had, the Jews had, is they did not want to submit themselves. So just give me a moment here to try to build this thought here. They did not want to submit themselves. Which is to say, they did not want to follow the Lord. They did not want to say, yes, Lord. Because since He is the Lord, the winds and the sea get it. And they say, okay, the Lord spoke, we will obey. The animals get it. God speaks, they obey. But God has given us a free will and God speaks to us and we don't always get it. To the extent that because we don't get it, there's people that go about and and the religions of the world today were founded because people did not want to submit to God. In other words, they did not want to obey the Lord. They did not want to obey the Lord. And so they went about to establish their own righteousness and so forth. They have a zeal for God, but it's based upon their own ideas and their own opinions. Folks, I'm glad that by God's grace, when you come into a New Testament church, when you come into this church, that the Word of God is what will be preached. Amen? We're not preaching about tradition. We're not uh, preaching about sister or brother so-and-so from years ago, and this is what they said, therefore this is what we believe. No, friend. We believe the Word of Almighty God. Amen? Because the Word of God is settled in heaven. This is what we can count on. But I want to give you several passages here. In the book of Romans chapter 6, verse 16, I will give these to you quickly. You can either write them down you could try to get there. Romans 6, 16, just a few pages back. But the Bible says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield your servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now the reason I want to share that verse with you to start with is this. That... uh, The Bible right there is saying that we have, that we're submitted to something. That that we have a Lord of our lives. We have someone or something that we're being obedient to. Now, many of us can identify with this, but we get this idea of nobody is going to tell me what to do. I'll be the servant of no one. I will not be, that there will be no Lord over me. And then as we do that, we go off into sin. And as we go off into sin, guess what sin becomes in our life? It becomes a master in our lives. Our pride, for there, there's people perhaps sitting here this morning that pride is a Lord in your life. 
And you, you, you can't even make the decisions that would be beneficial for you and your family because pride says no. Your pride says, I will not humble myself and come forward and bow before the Lord and, and humble myself before God. There's other people. I, I thought about it recently with, with the passing of my dad. Um, I, I think about the people that, are, that man, I'm free. So I'm going to go indulge into drugs and alcohol because I'm free. Nobody or nothing's going to tell me what to do. But the Bible talks about the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is decept- de- deceitful. Uh, it is deceptive. Why? Because all of a sudden, what happens when alcohol starts calling the shots in your life? Right? What happens when it starts? See, what people don't realize is that you do become a servant to something. Even if it's just your pride and your self-will. But it begins to rob you. And that's why the Bible says, Whom will you yield yourselves servants to obey? Will you yield yourselves to sin and to to death? Or to, to obedience and righteousness and life and blessing? But notice what the Bible says about obeying the gospel. Did you know that for us to be saved, accepting the gospel is really obeying the gospel? Because when God presents to us the truth of what it means to be saved, that the Bible says we are all sinners, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. The good news is that Jesus came and purchased our salvation by carrying all of our sins upon Him, taking our hell on the cross. Uh, When He bore our sins, He died on the cross. He shed His precious blood. He was buried. Three days later, He rose again that whosoever will call upon Him shall be saved. But here's the thing. how, how, How do we obey that? We obey that when that truth is presented to us. And we say within ourselves, and we have that struggle within ourselves, I don't know if I want to do that or not. I don't know if I want to trust Christ or not. I don't know if I want to repent and turn to Christ or not. Now don't be, don't worry, and I'm going to try to make this clear in just a moment. We're not talking about a works salvation. We're not obeying and doing works to be saved. But what it simply is, is it's God speaking to our hearts and us saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I will believe. Yes, Lord, I will put my faith and trust in You. Yes, chapter 9 talks about the divine sovereignty of God. But chapter 10 is very clear about the free will of man and the responsibility of man. But notice, if you will, a few more verses with me. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible talks about the coming of the Lord. The second coming, when he, not when He comes for the rapture, but when He comes at the end of the seven years of tribulation. The Bible says, In flaming fire He will return, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of, the Lord Jesus, of our Lord Jesus Christ. That obey not the gospel. See, the Jews that he's referring to in this chapter, they refuse to obey. Uh, they, they refuse to obey the gospel because they heard the gospel, but they said, no, we're going to go about in our own way. And so the gospel is to be obeyed, which is just simply to submit to it. All right. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, the Bible says, And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all that obey him. Unto all that obey Him. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if, not, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So, He's the Lord of salvation. 
And salvation means we must obey or submit ourselves to His righteousness rather than going about to establish our own righteousness. It goes something like this. Maybe some of you can identify. I can identify. I can remember when I would be challenged about being saved or the thought of being saved, I can remember thinking this, I'm okay. I'm a pretty good person. How many of you said, oh, well, I was baptized as an infant, so I should be fine. Or I, come from a, I was raised in a Christian home, so I should be okay. See, all of those things, when we're presented with the truth of the gospel, what we're saying is no thank you. Anybody in here ever say no thank you to the Lord before you were saved? Some of you are looking at me like I'm, uh, like I'm uh, way off base here. I think many of us, if not all of us, when we come to the point of needing salvation, that we come to the point and say, wait a second, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. But are you going to do that or are you just going to say, man, I'm not fine. I need Jesus. Amen. And I'll tell you, praise God, He gets you to that point in order for you to be saved. But I can just remember thinking, I'm okay. I'm, my good will outweigh my bad and so forth. But all of that is just disobedience. It's not obeying what God's telling me to do, which is just simply to put my faith and trust in Him. It's not a work. It's just faith. That's what faith is. Um, all right. Uh, but... When we can, you know, I've said already, verses one through three. Their problem was was that they wanted to do their own thing. They wanted to do their own thing and still call him Lord. They had a zeal, but they wanted to call the shots. I'll say that again. They called him Lord, but they did their own thing. Uh, they uh, they had a zeal for God, but they called the shots. See, so I want to say a couple things about submitting to salvation, obeying the Lord of salvation, obeying the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is simply to say putting our faith and trust in Christ. Number one, submitting to the salvation of the Lord, submitting to the Lord of salvation is wise. It's wise. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12? Proverbs is the book of wisdom. It says this, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Submitting to the Lord of salvation and in salvation is wise. Why? Because it's the only way that's going to get you to heaven. Amen? Trusting what He has done. Putting your faith and trust in Him. And lest there be any confusion, I want to emphasize one more time what I mean by obeying. It's putting faith in Christ. And I always go back uh, to the missionary that was, was, was off in a, in, in a foreign land trying his best to put the Bible into the dialect of the people uh, with, to whom he was trying to reach. Nobody had yet put a Bible into their language. And he was going along pretty well, but he struggled when he got to the word faith. He struggled when he got to the word faith. And he says, man, how can I describe faith? You know, we're talking about putting faith in Christ. That's what it means to obey the gospel. And, and he struggles and he, he asks around and he's trying to find it. And he's thinking and he's praying. And then finally... He, uh, he, he, he's, out, uh, he's out at the sea. He's out at the beach one day. And he's, he's praying and he's right. And all of a sudden he sees somebody come along at the beach. And there's a lounge chair right here. This isn't a lounge chair. But he's, he, there's a lounge chair. And he just watches them. Just totally plop down in that chair. Putting all of their weight on that chair. Without even checking, they just put all their faith and their confidence in that chair. Right away. 
A light bulb went off. And the Spirit of God spoke to that missionary. And he looks at one of the locals and he says, What is that called? What is that called? I can't tell you what the word was, but I can tell you this. That's the word he used for faith. Because that's faith. It's just resting in Christ. It is putting all your weight on Him. It's not saying, yeah, you know what? Let's see. You say I need Christ. You know what? Maybe I'll put a little bit. Of... You do that. You know, we, uh, me and the kids, we, uh, we sometimes go places. And if we go to, you know, the mountains, we were just up climbing up. Uh, wasn't like a straight down waterfall, but it was a, it was a, a creek that was running down the mountain. And, and uh, Natalie and I, when we were down in North Carolina, got out in that creek and my nephew... Or my cousin, I should say. And we were climbing up through there. But I always tell Natalie, make sure on every step, every step you take, make sure before you lift up your other foot that your first foot's on good solid uh, ground, that you're not going to slip. And, that, and, and that's, that's good advice in that situation. But that's how some people try to do when it comes to salvation. You know what? Well, I've got my church and I've got my baptism. And yeah, I'll, I'll put a little bit of faith in Christ as well. That doesn't work. I'm, you know, okay, you say I need Christ. I get that. I'm going to, but you know, I'm a pretty good person, so I'll put a little bit here and then I'll keep away here. No, faith in Christ is not evenly distributed between my strength, my religion, my works. My faith in Christ is plopping down. Amen. It's putting my all, it's total confidence in Him. Uh, so, so how can we boldly say, I know that I'm going to heaven today? It's not because I'm a good guy, it's because I put my faith in Christ. Amen. I am totally resting. Hey, I am totally reclining today uh, in what Jesus has done. Okay? That's what we're talking about when we talk about faith. That's what I'm talking about when we're talking about obeying. It's just letting go and letting God. It's letting go and, and putting our faith and all of our weight upon Him. So submitting to the, to the Lord for salvation is wise. Because every other way leads to death. And ultimately, spiritual and eternal death, which is a literal hell and a literal lake of fire. God's not willing that any go to the lake of fire. God's not willing that any should perish. But if we refuse to submit ourselves, if we refuse to recline and to rest in Him, it's not a very wise thing, but that's exactly what's going to happen. So submitting to the Lord in salvation is wise. But there's another reason why. Think about the problem with faith in the law. And this kind of ties back into the passage here. Notice verse 5 of chapter 10. The Bible says, For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law. What kind of righteousness is of the law? That the man which doeth those things shall live in them. That's a quotation out of Leviticus 18 verse 5. So if you enjoy the book of Romans, and by the way, I've encouraged you on this very much. If you're saved by God's grace, enjoy the book of Romans. Know the book of Romans. Read the book of Romans, amen, repeatedly. But, but, but just remember, when you read the book of Romans, you're also reading Leviticus, amen? Because Leviticus isn't quite as enjoyable as we would think as Romans is. But guess what? This is a quotation out of Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5. Live according to them. What it's saying is simply this. In order to be saved by the law... One must live according to all the precepts of the law without violating one. It means this, to live a life free of sin. Not just from this point on, but ever. That's the righteousness which comes by the law. Now how many, I dare say, have accomplished that? 
See, that's, so submitting to the Lord in salvation is wise. Why? Because there's a problem with trying to be saved by works. You could be, the only way you could possibly be saved by the law or by works is if you never sinned. If you lived a sinless life. And somebody says, oh, well, I'm keeping all the commandments. I haven't stole. But remember what Jesus, Jesus showed where the issue was really at. Jesus said this. He said, if you look on a woman to lust after her, that you've committed adultery. Somebody says, I've never committed adultery. Have you looked on someone to lust after them? Have you, have you envied someone? The Bible says you're guilty of covetousness. See, the issue is the heart. The point is this, we're all sinners. All right. I'm not trying to beat you down today. I'm just trying to be honest with you. We're all sinners. We're people that need a Savior. Uh, and that, that's the problem with the law. Notice this. The Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. See, the law is not really in bits and pieces. If you break the law, you've broken the entire law. And then as a result of that, you are responsible for the penalties of the whole law. The punishments of the whole law. This is an interesting illustration of this. this there's a young man in Matthew 19 that reminds me of some people that I have met along the way. The Bible says in Matthew 19, verse 16, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good Master, what thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Now, Jesus is trying to get somewhere with this young man, and He says this, And He said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. Now, Jesus is God. He wasn't saying that He wasn't God, but He was just saying, He was checking this man out. Do you understand that I'm God? There's none good but God. But if thou wilt enter into life, here's what Jesus said. Keep the commandments. He saith unto him, so then the young man says, Okay, Jesus, which commandments should I keep? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, Jesus didn't give all the commandments. Listen, the young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? So this man was very proud in his religion. He was proud of how good of a guy he was. All the commandments that he had kept. But Jesus knew the man's heart. And here's what he says. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young men heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So he kept all these commandments, but he had one one problem, man. He was greedy. He could not give up that money. He had this one thing. But what did he do? He didn't emphasize that part. He emphasized all the great that he did. There's a lot of religion that does that. And by the way, there's one of the reasons a lot of religions do that because they're trying to get you money. That's a big part of it. You know, give, 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 more money, more money. I mean, praise God for the blessing of giving. Amen. And there's nothing wrong with giving. Uh, it's a blessing to give. But I'm telling you, there's some, there's some religions that use uh, fear and uh, eternity as a motivation for our giving. Man, we ought to give out of love. Um, and so we see that, one of the, that, the, that it's wise to submit to the Lord for salvation. Why? Because there's a problem with trying to do it the other way. But I want to say this. There's a, the problem of trying to do it ourselves, but then the provision of our faith. Notice what the Bible says here in verse number 8. The Bible says, 
But what saith it? The Word, then I want to, I want to emphasize that, the Word, the Word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and thy heart. That is the Word of faith that we preach. It's the Word of God. The Word. The accessibility of Scripture. Um, I, I want to say this because it's really important to emphasize. This, this quotation that I'm giving you now, uh, or that he's given now, uh, is out of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 12 through 15. Verses 6 through 8 are a reference to Deuteronomy 30, 12 through 15. And, uh, and, and we'll emphasize something of that in just a moment. We have the truth, therefore, man, you can be saved. The word of faith, it's nigh thee, it's in thy mouth. Will you be saved? And if you are saved, will you tell someone else the simplicity of salvation? Now, I thought about this this morning. There's something about us. We do not like submitting to the instructions, many of us. Just consider you have a toy. Christmas is coming. You got little kids trying to put some of the toys together. Or you have a piece of furniture from Ikea or someplace to assemble. We know when we get this piece of furniture what we want it to look like. But when we get it, it's in a box and it's in like a hundred pieces. Feels like a thousand pieces. I mean, listen, it, it, it looks nothing like we want it to look. You don't just get this box and say, oh, look at my new desk and dump it out and say, there it is. No, you look at it and there's a hundred nuts and bolts and washers and stuff laying around everywhere. I mean, there's dozens of pieces of wood and this and that. And you're thinking, okay, this doesn't look like uh, what it should look like. So you get this deal. And, but, but, but here's the thing. It comes with instructions. But who needs that? Right? Who needs that? Not me. Not me. I, now, I understand. Some people may need those instructions, but not me. Alright? See, because after all, I have common sense. I'm mechanically inclined. I can figure this mess out. I'm not an idiot, okay? I don't need the instructions. Dad, here's the instructions. Don't need them. Don't need them. I figure this out, okay? But now, it's not long. Until I start figuring out that maybe this is a little bit harder than I thought. So maybe I'll sneak a little peek at the instructions. What's that look like? Okay, okay, I think I got it. I sneak a little peek at the instructions, at the stupid instructions, and sure enough, it made sense out of the problem I was having. But then I set them aside and try to continue until I get frustrated again and start thinking, oh man, this ain't working. And then I start remembering, you know what? When I glanced at those instructions, it kind of did help me, if I'd be honest. And so then maybe, alas, I finally decide to humble myself. Guys, don't judge me. I finally decide to humble myself, grab the instructions, turn all the way back to page number one, and say, okay, let me try to get a grasp of what's going on here. And what begins to happen after that is I realize a couple things I've already done are kind of backwards and the holes are supposed to be over here, but they're over here and this bolt didn't fit there. And I mean, you know, you start realizing I had that backwards. I fixed that and then fairly smoothly you can finish the project and start putting everything back together. Now, uh, what, what I wanted 
What I really wanted and what you really wanted, it comes in a mess. But in wisdom, the Creator, the designer of this desk or what have you, included instructions. But oftentimes in pride and stubbornness, we don't want to read these instructions. We do not want to listen to those dumb instructions because we are prideful. We are stubborn. By the way, religious religious man uh, often figures out a way to turn a desk into a cathedral. (laughs) Amen? I mean, they add so much to it before it's over with. You're like, wait, what was that again? Uh, But that's a whole other thing. Uh, But I'll say this. You've noticed. Maybe you've come to the point to where you've taken a little glance over at the Bible. And you said, oh, the Bible... I'm having kind of trouble in my marriage right now. The Bible says nobody's looking. I'll just take a quick glance. What's the Bible say? Okay, well that, that's helped me in my marriage now. Or my finances. Or, or, or whatever the case may be. Or, or just in, just in my, my emotional state. My way of thinking. Whatever it may be. And we take a little glance over there. Well, that helped a little bit. But then we start thinking as our life goes on. And things aren't, imag- things aren't turning, in, turning out the way we hoped they would turn out. Then we start thinking to ourselves, huh, maybe if I go back and turn to page one. Maybe if I go back and turn to page one, you know what I find out? I find out when I go back to page one and start getting in this book, I start figuring out, man, I've put some things together backwards. See, because this life is kind of a jumbled mess. It really is. This life, hey, how many of you know... It's not what you kind of imagined it would be. Maybe your marriage today is not what you... This is not the, this is not the picture I saw in the catalog. <laughs> right? This is not what I imagined. This, the Christian life I'm living. Man, I've submitted to the Lord. Man, I'm becoming active in this church. I'm excited about this church. But I'm telling you, man, it's not coming together for me the way I thought it would. It's easy for all you other people. No, it's not easy. It's just that maybe some people have said... Think I'm going to follow the instructions. Amen. Amen. See, the problem with a lot of people, you're not even in the instructions. You wonder why nothing's coming together. You wonder why it's backwards. You wonder why it's a mess. You wonder why you try to stand it up and it just falls over again. And then you look at God and say, why, God? And God says, I'll tell you, dummy, if you'll listen, I gave you instructions. God doesn't say that. Amen. I'm sorry. But I'll just paraphrase what I would say. Amen? God says, I've given you instructions. We get so mad at God. Oh, God, this is all a jumbled wreck. God's just sitting there like, have you looked at the instructions? I've given... See, although this is a big pile of a mess of just parts and everything right now, the designer, that creator was wise. And he knew, he knows how it all comes together. He knows the right steps to take. He knows I can't just have a desk in five minutes. He knows it's going to take a little bit of time. See, the Christian life, salvation, there's no assembly required. Don't misunderstand me there. But I'm telling you, the Christian life, there's some assembly required. Amen? I mean, there's some things we got to build on. Now, salvation is just simply saying, Lord, I trust you. But what the, the point is this. The creator of this world, the designer of this life, has given us instructions to know how to make something out of this jumbled mess that we called life. And so, the reason we need to submit to God is because it's wise to do so. So I want to say this. If you're, if you're, especially if you're saved by God's grace, get in the Word of God. And is it not true that you've taken a glance and it's helped you? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, get, maybe go to page one. Yeah. 
Maybe go there and say, okay, Lord, I want to follow you wholly. I want to follow you fully. We'd see things come out a lot better. Now getting back as we uh, try to wrap this last part up here, I I mentioned the quotation out of Deuteronomy 30, verses 6 through 8. Our our reference from Deuteronomy 30. Uh, But this is cool because it shows something about salvation. We talked about the sovereignty of God, but now we talk about the, the responsibility of man. Deuteronomy 30, verse 15 And we know another reason I'm emphasizing all these Old Testament verses is just to emphasize and to show you that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are not two different people. The Old Testament and the New Testament aren't. They are two different books in a sense. But you've got to realize, man, that they they, they mesh perfectly together. I mean, listen, and so here's what he says in Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. See, I have set before thee this day. This This is also in the context that he quotes here. See, I've set before thee this day life and death and bless blessing and cursing. I'm sorry, life and death, life and good, death and evil. Verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. We know that's a popular verse for those who don't don't believe in slaughtering innocent uh, babies. Uh, And and it applies there. But the context of that verse is saying this. God says, I said before you, He he put them, it goes all the way back to Mount Ebal. I mean, there was a a dry mountain, dry barren mountain on this side, a fruitful mountain as they stood in the valley. And God says, I've set before you this day life, death, Blessing, cursing. And then God says, I've set this before you. Then He says, choose life. Some of these pinheaded theologians will ask me something along the lines of, where do you get this whole idea of free will at? I say, get it from the Bible. Amen? God said, choose. God said, choose. I mean, listen, choose. He says, choose life. He sets it before us, but we have to choose. Um, and so that, it's cool that he uses uh, Deuteronomy 30 in Romans 10 because what it's saying is, will you choose to obey? Will you choose to submit to the righteousness of God? Now let's go on and I'm going to close with these verses right here. The Bible says in verse number 9, so the Word of God is what I was saying. That was the whole emphasis there. Verse 8, we see the Word of God, the accessibility of Scripture. Aren't you glad we can know the Word today? Yes. By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm watching. I've learned, I've learned and studied about this for years, but I'm just kind of re-watching a documentary right now on uh, Amazon Prime. they got some really cool stuff on there, by the way. But uh, it's a light in the darkness is what it's called. And it's just, it just speaks about uh, our English Bible and the price that was paid. Do you realize that it was actually outlawed uh, by the Catholic Church uh, for uh, many years to not, not just to preach a Bible, but to have a Bible in English, to have a Bible, to possess a Bible in English, you could be killed. Uh, and, it, and, and literally, if they found you with, uh, I believe it was with uh, Tyndale's translation, uh, no, I'm sorry, it's Wycliffe's translation, they would literally, when they would burn you at the stake, they would put a copy of the, the, your, your copy of the Bible around your neck. They'd tie it around your neck and they would burn it along with you. Our Bible come to us at a great cost. The, the Bible come to us, I mean, through a lot of bloodshed and a lot of people that were committed to getting the Word of God out. Thank God for the accessibility of Scripture. Uh, but not only the accessibility of Scripture, but then the accessibility of the Savior. Notice what the Bible says here in verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. 
And the literal idea there is this. Confess that Jesus is Lord. The Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, the issue that he's dealing with here is just simply this. The Jewish people, the the nation of Israel, thank God that Jews are saved, but as a nation, the Jewish nation still rejects uh, Christ as Messiah. They would never confess that Jesus is Christ. But see, the two have to go together. There's many people that will confess that I know the Lord or I believe in the Lord. But, the, but, but there, there is a, an order here. We first believe on Him. You first believe. Remember believe? You plop down, for lack of a better term. You rest entirely. You say, you know what? It's, it's a simple childlike faith. I believe. I trust You. I trust You wholly. I trust You, Lord, alone. Lord, I will submit to Your righteousness. Lord, I will say, I'm no longer going to try to use Christianity. I'm no longer going to try to use church as just a little band-aid, just a little something to kind of help me through life. Lord, I'm going to put all my faith and trust in You and I want to see You change my life. I trust You. I obey the Gospel today. That's believing. And then confession doesn't. Confession is just something that comes naturally. But Jesus said, "Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh." So it's just simply to say this: We God works in our heart. Confession is personal expression, and it's public exposure. It's powerful evangelism. Amen. So it's personal expression, public exposure, and powerful evangelism. That's what it is to uh, to confess uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. To say, "I know Him. I've put my faith." In my trust in Him. But the first step is, have you believed in your heart? Have you put your faith and trust in Him? You know the great thing about that? The Bible goes on to say, how shall they, how shall they call upon Him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Man, aren't we blessed to live in a time and in a country where we can hear about Christ? Yes. We really are. So, in many of our cases, especially if you're sitting here this morning, and if you're, if you're sitting here this morning and you've not yet put your faith and trust in Christ... Man, think about it. You've heard the message. You probably believe intellectually. But the belief being spoken of here is a belief from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Which is simply to say, Lord, from from my innermost being, I'm trusting in You. I call on You. I believe. I believe that if I put my faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, Lord, that You will forgive me. I I want You to change my life. See, we we talk about repentance. The Bible talks about repent and believe the Gospel. Repentance isn't a work. Repentance is just something that comes with salvation. Why? Because repentance is a change of mind. That that results in a change of steps. But it it starts with us changing our minds. And saying, you know what? I, I I want to do it God's way. Lord, I want to humble myself and accept You as my Savior. So He is the Lord of creation. He's the Lord of salvation. And then lastly, verse number 13. The Bible says this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Will you call on the Lord this morning if you've not called on the Lord? That, by the way, is a quotation out of Joel chapter 2, verse 32. See, there's no difference. The Bible teaches us earlier in the book of Romans, there's no difference in condemnation. As we all stand, please. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no difference in condemnation. 
But praise God, there's no difference in salvation. It's the same for all. Amen. The, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And in, in verse 13, we see the scope of this great salvation. The Bible says, whosoever will. Whosoever will. By God's grace, I'm going to be a proponent of that till the day I die. There's a good reason why I think to be a proponent, don't you? Amen. If you'd come to the piano, please. And, uh, but there's a good, good reason to be a proponent of that because the Bible says it. Amen? Amen? Whosoever. So that's the scope of this salvation. The simplicity. The simplicity. Shall call upon the name of the Lord. Shall call upon the name of the Lord. And the substance is this. Shall be saved. Shall be saved. Amen. All right. Well, listen, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord as Savior, would you be willing today to put your faith and trust in Him? Would you just let go of your pride? Would you let go of the religion? You can trade that in today for a relationship. Amen. Yes. If you're here today and you don't know, yet know the Lord, oh, I'm working on it, preacher. You missed it. Amen. You missed the message. You're not, you don't need to work on anything. The work has been done. Jesus has accomplished the work. All you must simply do is believe. Would you recline on Him today? Would you rest your eternal destiny in Him today? Come confess and admit your sinfulness before Him. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Believe that He will save you. Let me ask you this. Is your life just still a jumbled mess, even as a child of God? Are you looking at those instructions? Have you looked at those lately? <laughs> Amen. I'm, I'm serious, man. Did you know God gives us, there's instructions for our finances in the Bible? Amen. There are. There's instructions for our marriage. There's instruction for our, our relationships. There's instruction for business. I mean, you name it. I mean, I'm, there's instructions in the Bible. For being a good husband, a good wife, for being a good student, whatever the case may be, God gives the instructions. We just got to be humble and quit saying, oh, I know, I'll figure it out, I'll do it. No, no, no. Trust Him, amen.